Hello everyone, good morning. I hope all is well. This is Perry Rizopoulos, and welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. So today we're going to be working again with Epictetus. I've been doing some more reading in this book, and this is another book that I'm returning to. I'm very glad to be doing this. And this is, I mean, to me, this is incredible. I love this section. So this short excerpt I'm going to share with you all today comes from a larger section called Events are impersonal and indifferent. That one sentence in and of itself, I think embodies one of the most important, let's say, aspirations and principles of Stoicism. And I say aspirations because I think a lot of philosophy is aspirational. Um, And even when it's, let's say, not aspirational, which I find it hard to, I, I find it hard for at least philosophy as a way of life to not a lot of the time feel aspirational because this stuff does not come naturally. Like Epictetus himself, you know, throughout this book mentions to his students, like this is work. It takes time, effort, attention, energy to work on yourself spiritually. So it's rare. Although I do think on that note, some of us are, let's say, are more well-suited to develop certain capacities than others. Like for example, I'm really bad at being indifferent to things. I know people who I think are so much better at this than me that there must, I mean, this is me probably making an excuse, right? There must be something natural, right? Maybe I'm naturally more intense or I don't know. But either way, I think wherever you're listening to this, so let's say whenever you're listening to this in your life, you've established certain capacities, you've established certain skills, certain habits. So some of this stuff will feel like, oh, this really fits for me, which is to say I'm already doing this, while others or other aspects of it will seem really like, okay, I have to aspire to do that. I have to work towards that more. I have to aim at that more uh, intensely, more frequently. So something I think we've been talking about in the last few episodes has been the idea that's really, you know, for me, profoundly personal, that ambition maybe isn't all that great. At the very least, we could say being overly ambitious is not a good idea. It's an excess, perhaps, right, which we should always try to avoid. Well, again, always in quotes, we should usually try to avoid excess. Um, We should avoid too much and too little of anything, again, more or less. Um, But I've even been sort of breaking down ambition more in my mind. And this is not what this episode is about, although I do think it connects to some degree, right? Um, I think a part of my ambition also, or what gets tied up with it, is that I start making everything meaningful because I want to have a meaningful existence. And that gets pretty intense. And that gets unnecessarily, at times, you know, to put it bluntly, like suffocating, because sometimes things are not a big deal, right? Sometimes it's okay to have a a quote, wasted day. Nothing's going to go wrong. Sometimes it's okay for things to go wrong. And when things go wrong, nothing really happens, right? So I'm saying this in this kind of tone, because I I want myself to, I want to make myself feel ridiculous um, with that. So I I, I mentioned that for a couple of reasons. One, Events being impersonal and different, like decreasing my, um, let's say, uh, my proclivity to be ambitious or my tendency to be ambitious are two things that are very aspirational for me. I have to work on making events impersonal and indifferent because I also have a tendency to take things personally. And this is very much a stoic conversation. Add value judgments onto things that are not there, right? So an event happens, someone says something. Uh, something goes my way or does not go my way, I start making all these kind of judgments of it. And they could be positive or negative, but instead of just addressing them as they are, this person emailed me, or I was five minutes late, or this 
person really enjoyed a podcast episode. Instead of just appreciating it and understanding it for what it is, trying to learn from it, seeing where I might be able to grow from it and moving on, I spend all this time adding value judgments, right? This is good. This is bad. And then that, I think, carries over into what Epictetus is saying here in regards to what anxiety is. So a lot of those thoughts can be driven, of course, towards the future, because quite simply, instead of saying, oh, this has happened, it's bad or good, you start doing, you know, in the future, well, this might happen, and it, it would be bad or good, and I would feel bad or good. And that gets even more risky, because we're dealing with, um, you know, totally imaginary states of being. The future is not predictable, right? So Epictetus here provides the following to his students that I think is very interesting. He says to them, the wise person knows it is fruitless to project hopes and fears on the future. This only leads to forming melodramatic representations in your mind and wasting time. At the same time, one shouldn't passively acquiesce to the future or like, let's say like just passively let whatever happens happens and just say, okay, no problem. I'm not going to even try to influence this and what it holds. Simply doing nothing does not avoid risk, but heightens it. There is a place for prudent planning and for making provisions for situations to come. Proper preparation for the future consists of forming good personal habits. This is done by actively pursuing the good in all the particulars of your daily life and by regularly examining your motives to make sure they are free of the shackles of fear, greed, and laziness. If you do this, you won't be buffeted about by outside events. So let's start at the, uh, at the end of this with what I think is pretty easy to an extent, or not, let's say it's simple, but difficult. What are your fears? How are you greedy? How are you lazy? So the first one that comes to mind for me is I I'm, I'm greedy, not with money, but I'm greedy with like wanting to know everything, which again, connects to some of the ambitious thinking, quote unquote, I was mentioning earlier. I want every, everything that's possibly good in a day. I want it. Not a good idea. And that sounds bad, right? And I'm literally trying to figure this out myself as I'm saying this. Why not want all the good things in the day? Well, because that creates a compulsive desire that when unmet creates disappointment or not even, or I think that's not even the worst part. The worst part is you're cultivating a brain that's never at rest. You're cultivating a, you know, a kind of restlessness because you're greedy for meaning, right? So maybe you might be greedy for money. You might be greedy for status whatever, we have to avoid that. And I think greed, you know, because it's a, it's a desire-driven thing, especially, is really connected nicely to anxiety, right? Because an anxiety comes from, you know, something that's also projected into the future. We usually want what we don't have. Well, if we don't have it now, where would we get it in the future, right? Desire for the present is just gratitude. It's a different idea, right? To an extent, I would say. So let's situate ourselves, right? What are your daily fears? What are your daily greedy things? And what are your daily sort of encounters with laziness? And let's not mistake laziness for leisure, right? Leisure is quote unquote relaxed time that's meaningful where we're working on ourselves, right? So those are different. Um, locate those. And let's, I think what he's suggesting here, and I agree with this, work to create healthier habits around those things, at least to start this off, right? So this in quotes is like how to maybe become less anxious. So step one might be locate these three things, see how we could work to avoid them, prevent them, and at the very least respond to them better when they arise in us or when the thoughts kind of 
come into our minds and the feelings come up in us, right? So we pursue the good by getting rid of these things. And then we also pursue the good, quote, in all the particulars of daily life. So for me, again, I read this. I need to make sure I add this to myself that I'm, I don't do this obsessively, right? Not all parts of the day will be good. I will not do perfect or I will not have a perfect performance on every task at work. That type of thinking helps me personally. But I can still have that balanced out with the idea that, okay, I'm going to pursue the good but I'm going to pursue it in a way that's a little bit more relaxed. So pursue the good in all the particulars of your daily life. Try to take care of this, of the quote unquote small stuff habitually. Right. And now we're starting to form those good personal habits that not only prepare us for the future, because now we have ourselves a little bit more together. We're avoiding certain bad things like greed and laziness, but also now our attention is taken up more effectively. And this is an idea I really love, right? The more time you spend just working on the habits of the day, the more time you spend on maybe even, you know, to use the stoic idea of you know, the more time you spend picking up a pen, doing the self-writing stuff, the more time you spend maybe in your mind deliberately, as Marcus has said in the past, winnowing or controlling your thoughts. Maybe it's a mantra practice you have. Maybe it's a certain question or set of questions you present to yourself um, as a meditative exercise. Or maybe it's more of a, let's say, a traditional Eastern conception of meditation. The more time we spend in our day living in the day, just by way of the fact that you have to sleep eventually, the less time we spend thinking about the future. So we kind of get a double benefit, right? You do the good thing in the moment. Not only does the good thing shape you as a person, but it also shapes the day and your consciousness of time in a healthy way because you're not looking at the future anymore. You're in the moment with that activity, right? So we get a double benefit there, which is pretty cool. And Marcus Aurelius, or I think Pierre Hadot, from his perspective, remarking on Marcus Aurelius, in addition to Marcus discussing this, uh, presents the idea of like the double liberation, right? When you live in the moment, you're liberated from the fear of the future and you're liberated from the regrets or like, the, let's, let's say, uh, missing the past. And then on top of that, you also get, since you're more attentive to the present moment, you're actually just going to do things better. And that's helpful too, right? So keep that in mind. We're balanced out here because the top of this excerpt is saying the wise person knows it's fruitless or it's um, not going to give you anything good really to project hopes and fears. So we don't project, but we have now some good advice for how we can live in the day and, um, and shape the future by working with the present more effectively. And I also think there's room or he's providing room for us in this excerpt to, uh, to like, yeah, do plan for the future. Don't ignore the future entirely. That's not a good idea. I think a healthy way of dealing with the future is sort of carving out time to think about it. Again, I'm a big supporter of uh, self-writing, writing stuff down, some goals, some ideas, and just kind of putting them away, like having the conversation honestly with the page and then putting those pages in, the, in a drawer somewhere and then looking at the drawer like in a month or two weeks, you know, it depends on if you're thinking about the future every single day or really frequently throughout the day, and it's not bringing you good feelings, that process will have to be slower, right? So you maybe write it down, all right? So look, what am I nervous about next month? Let me spend 10 minutes on an index card. What's going to go on in April, right? If all goes well, you know, the, the stoic would always act, uh, always act under reserve, right? And their idea of a higher power was like, and Marcus says this too, right? Um, nothing is possible without God and luck. 
or a fortune, right? So maybe you believe in that, maybe you don't, but just think it's an interesting idea to consider. So we sit maybe with an index card or one page and we plan the next month. All right, well, it's still, what is it, like March 10th? All right, put it away. It's March 10th, sit for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it takes, get it done, read it over, move in that direction a little bit, but put it away and let that putting away kind of be both literal and metaphorical. Like, all right, I'm done stressing over this. And then if you need to return to it, try to stop those thoughts. Like Marcus would say, winnow the thoughts, focus on something in the moment that's a little bit different. Then maybe go to go to the page at the end of the day and look at it for two minutes, five minutes. Right? We can start organizing our habits of thinking with some of these physical um, triggers as well, I think. Right? When I look at this page, I'm thinking about the future. When it's back in the drawer, it's away. Right? So again, don't avoid the future. Don't, let's say, never think about the future. It's not what he's saying here. And I think that's nice. He's balancing it out, right? Now, of course, we could, again, say it's not wise to be frequently projecting hopes and fears on the future. And fears make sense, right? I think immediately, because that's anxiety, right? But also, I think hopes or having hopes in the sentence is very important too. Hopes for the future, I think, really often become fears and or they become ways we make ourselves feel like we're failing. Right, because if you hope something's going to happen for the future and you're waiting for it to happen, I think it's very difficult for fear of that thing not happening to not creep in. Right, so which is to say that was a bad sentence. Fear will creep in if we're too hopeful about the future. Right, if we set let's say lower expectations, although there might be some fear associated with that. Like if I lower my expectations, well, what will I fail anyway? And this and that. I think if you're someone who's, again, very goal-oriented, which is something we act as if uh, is very virtuous, which it's not, right? I think we need some goals, but once again, to be obsessed with goals will lead us to a place where we're suffocated, I think, and we actually get in our own way. So maybe we have to have conversations with ourselves about being less hopeful for the future, once again, taking it one day at a time as a way of creating a way of being right? A calmer, more peaceful way of being that will help us see more clearly, right? So that hope starts to create a little fear and that fear is not healthy either. And that's why I think Epictetus mentions this. And it's weird to say, can I kill my ambition? Or it's weird to say, be less hopeful because we have a lot of positive associations with these things. That being said, and I've I've told myself I want to keep these around 15 minutes. And that was sort of a nice point to end on for Epictetus. I do want to provide one other quick quote by Jean-Paul Sartre that I think speaks to this really nicely. Um, And then we'll end it here, right? And I'll leave this up for your interpretation. He says, quote, In life, a person commits themselves and draws their own portrait, outside of which there is nothing. No doubt this thought might seem harsh to someone who feels like they have not made a success of their life. But on the other hand, it helps people to understand that reality alone counts and that dreams, expectations, and hopes only serve to define a person as a broken dream, aborted hopes, and futile expectations. So maybe we focus on reality, which is to say the day a little bit more, and maybe we work to redefine some of our hopes and dreams. Maybe if we dreamed and hoped a little bit less, we'd enjoy life more. And ironically, but this cannot or should not be the main reason for doing it, right? Because then it just it becomes itself again, right? 
don't think that by decreasing your dreams or hopes, that then becomes the pathway to sort of uh, making them happen. Because then you're just back to trying to do the ambitious thing or the hopeful thing and the anxiety causing thing again, right? Genuinely do it, I think, because it's worthwhile to live more in the day. It's worthwhile to be less anxious, which is to say, be calmer and be happier. And we're also getting the benefit of training ourselves to not constantly project ourselves into the future, which leads to some bad stuff. And then we can start practicing on seeing that things might be a little more indifferent, a little more impersonal, which will help us relax and help us focus on what we can control, which is ultimately where a lot of our, a lot of the goodness in life is to be found for the Stoics at the very least in focusing on what we can control. For Sartre with that quote, focusing on our own actions in the moment, once again, will be a positive for us. So I hope this is helpful. Thank you for listening. I'm over 15 minutes here, but it's close. Um, have a good day, and I'll talk to you soon.